Notre Dame's wide receiving core has a chance to put up big numbers in 2023, and former Fighting Irish receiver Chris Fink has high hopes for the offense going into next season. All that more coming up next on Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Thursday, March 9th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. The show is free and available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, so whether you're watching or listening, please subscribe to the show. My name is Tyler Wojak, and I am the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018. I've been covering the football team since 2020, and I'm also a producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in L.A. In today's episode, I'm going to be joined by former Notre Dame captain Chris Fink to hear his thoughts on Notre Dame's new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, the receiving core, plus he shares some fun stories from his playing days as well. I really enjoy this interview, and I hope you will as well, so let's get to it. All right, Chris Fink is here. I'm really excited about this. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Well, I'm grateful to have you on, and I'm excited to hear your perspective on the Notre Dame football program. And I want to start with the new offensive coordinator because that's that's been the headline of the offseason so far. And you played for two different offensive coordinators during your time at Notre Dame, first with Mike Denbrock during the first two years, and then Chip Long for the next three. What was that transition like during the early stages? Yeah, um, I really loved Mike Denbrock. He was a uh, he was our receivers coach. So actually he was uh, Mike Sanford was offensive coordinator when I started. Um, and, uh, but Denbrock called a bunch of the plays as well, which is probably, I think explained some of our 2016 struggles as a kind of a, a disconnect between two people calling plays. And then every once in a while, coach Kelly interjecting a third opinion um, all while the game's going on. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was different. Uh, especially being a young guy, it happened after my sophomore year. Like I had just begun to feel like I was grasping the offense and uh, in comes a new one. So got to learn a bunch of new stuff. And and for me, like having started as a walk-on, um, a lot, basically our whole staff was overturned then. Um, I had to had to kind of prove myself again. They still viewed me as, as the walk-on. And, you know, when new guys come in, they want to prove that they can recruit. So – um, if they can't recruit a guy who's better than a walk-on, then that's a mark on them. So I, I had personal setbacks because of it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's difficult to, to adjust to a new offense. A lot of times when new guys will come in, they'll keep maybe some terminology the same or, or keep some concepts that the guys already know. Um, and that will be good with Coach Parker because he was already on staff. Um, so yeah. he can know what, what the guys are accustomed to and, and how to make it a smooth transition for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just getting to know a new personality too, a uh, new style of, of play, new emphasis and, and finding out where you fit within it. Yeah, that makes sense. You already mentioned it. This transition is a little bit different because Parker's already been around the program for a year as a tight ends coach. And now he gets his full time or he gets a shot as the full time OC. And I think a lot of fans have been concerned about his lack of experience and all that. But putting that to aside, and really, this isn't specific to Parker. Just want to hear from your perspective. What do you think are the most important qualities of a good offensive coordinator? I think a good offensive coordinator, first thing that comes to mind for me is adaptability. Um, obviously, you can be a great football mind and, and sit in the office and game plan and draw up your, your first 15, your scripted plays that you feel really good about. Um, but the other thing is that there's another coach 
wherever across the country doing the same thing, trying to stop what you're doing. So you really don't know what's going on until you get in the game and see how the defense responds to your plays and your game plan that you've got started in the first drive. Um, and sometimes it doesn't go like you plan at all. I mean, we've gone into games before when I was there thinking like, all right, we're going to hit this big play and we're going to call this play, this play. And then it's like, we can go three and out. It's like, man, all right, now we got to figure out something else. Um, is there a game that comes to mind where you thought you had a really great game plan going into it and then really early on you realized that's not going to work? Gosh, I mean, if you look at any game we went three and out on the first drive, I would say those. Like, we we always had – like, every game there's a scripted first right. 15 plays or so. And, like, every game I went into, like, dude, this is going to work. Like, we're going to be going to score the first drive so fast. Um, no, I, I, I don't have one specifically in mind. But, um so adaptability, like game plan wise, and then, um, you know, you got to understand like offensive coordinators are people too. Like uh, they, uh, they have their insecurities, like especially a new guy, like mistakes way heavy. I'm sure, um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he has a great mindset and he can push through adversity, but um, you know, like your job's on the line every week and uh, it's reflected in how the team plays. So um you know, I know it's like important guys want to establish an identity and uh, find a few things that work, but um, there's also got to be the adaptability of when things aren't working, how you planned it. And uh, I also think a really, really important thing, especially like with the offense that Notre Dame will have this upcoming season, like with some receivers who haven't been like, like a Chase Claypool or like a Miles Boykin, they, they've kind of been like role players, even like the, you know, the top leading receivers from last year were like, were like 300, 400 yards. Um, if you can get a bunch of guys going early, like in the first couple games, I think that's so important for the rest of the season. Like, cause you know, young kids, young players, like they feel like they start thinking about their stats or whatever. Like, you know, I'm not getting touches or I'm not getting open or like, I don't see how I fit in this offense. Like and it starts to get discouraging and that can happen to like a starter too. You know I mean? There'll be games where, I mean, I had like, you know, one catch two yards or something and had to, you know, remind myself like, all right. Like we got another week to, to get this going, but I think if the, if he can get those guys that they're going to need to rely on later in the season going early and make them feel confident, like they're off on a roll and getting off to a good start, you know, even if it's just like get Lorenzo styles, like four catches, 60 yards or something like that. Like, I, like that feels really good compared to like two catches, 20 yards. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I totally get that. And it's interesting you point that out because Freeman has been very forward about Notre Dame being a run first team. And yeah. that's going to be the priority. So if Notre Dame's running the ball really well and the offense is moving, but they're really not throwing, like that was the case more last year. I don't think that's going to be the case this year with Hartman um, as a quarterback. But how does that affect your mindset as wide receiver, knowing that like you're not going to have a ton of chances each game? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's totally fine with, or it's totally fine with me anytime I've been on a, a team where we're running a lot. And I think that the kind of guy that, wants to come to Notre Dame and that is recruited to come to Notre Dame. It's the kind of guy who can put the team first and, and accept that. Um, but especially, I mean, everyone has their own personal ambitions and goals for, for each game and each week in, in their football career. So um, especially when thinking about a guy who's really trying to prove himself uh, when the opportunities are limited, there's, there's the chance to, you know, put unneeded pressure on yourself where, all right, I'm, you know, this might be my only target today, like better make the most of it kind of thing. And, you know, some guys that elevates their game and some guys that takes it down a notch. So um, there's definitely 
there's definitely a chance that it could negatively impact guys. And it really comes down to the kind of player they are. And, and uh, that's another key piece of being a, a good leader as a coach is kind of figuring out what kind of guy each player is and, and how to talk to them and how to, how to get them going. Cause you know, some guys that you need to yell at some guys you need to put your arm around them and, and comfort them a little bit. We'll be right back with Chris Fink, but I want to take a moment to tell you about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes made. Okay, so I didn't give out any picks yesterday because I've been in a slump, but let's pick some winners tonight, shall we? Give it the Raptors to win outright over the Clippers during the late window on ESPN. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs at the time of this recording, but the Clippers are 1-5 in five since they re- acquired Russell Westbrook, so give me the Raptors. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay, so don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. For the receivers last year, one guy that comes to mind is Jaden Thomas because he's a very physical wide receiver. He almost, it felt like he embraced the run for Sal because he was a great blocker. Uh, he was almost like another tight end out there, and Notre Dame always had at least two tight ends on the field, it seemed. But looking at that receiving core, they've got a great opportunity to improve their production this year with a guy like Hartman presumably throwing them the ball. So which returning wide receiver impressed you the most last season? Yeah, I think Thomas was really impressive especially kind of coming out of nowhere. Like I hadn't seen much from before and he had a couple of really good games, um, which is exciting to see uh, another dude wearing 83 playing real well. Um, and then uh, another guy, I really like Lorenzo styles. I know maybe he didn't have the numbers he made planned on last year. And that stems from it being like a run heavy offense. But um, I actually met him. I went back for a pro day and like I've been around for some spring practices in the last couple of years. And, um, that dude's work ethic really impressed me, um, especially when I met him as a freshman. And he he was taking it so seriously. Not that other guys weren't, but, you know, he's out there after practice. He, he like, came up to me. Like, when I'm a freshman, I'm, I was pretty shy. And, like, I hadn't met him. He came up to me um, and was, like, you know, asking me advice and and trying to get tips and stuff. So, like, he's, he's definitely um, – not afraid to put the work in and not afraid to learn what it takes to be better. And um, obviously he's a great athlete and, and a good receiver. So I'm excited for him as well. Um, I'm pumped. Matt Salerno's back for a six year. I know he's not, I was like, waiting for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I got, you know, I got ripped the Wapu guys, but uh, I know he's not like the marquee number one target, but um, you know, he made some plays last year and he did. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people, notice it all the time but he's actually sweet in the run game like he makes some yeah yeah Um, yeah i'm sure you've noticed it but i mean it's like the fan base in general might not see it like he'll go down there and like pin a linebacker and spring a big run he he does the dirty work and uh hopefully he'll get rewarded with some more targets this year and even if that's not the case he's he's uh six year now so i mean he's the leader in the room and um he'll be able to set the tone for the kind of work that guys will need to do because I mean, I saw him when he was a young guy and he was, uh, you know, he was like a piss ant dude, like <laughs> really going nuts on scout team and, and kind of didn't care what it took to, to get noticed. So uh, he'll be a good leader as well. And then I'm always excited about some of the young guys. I mean, um, 
So Tobias Merriweather's one catch for a touchdown in person at Stanford last year. Um, I know people are high on him, and um, it'll be exciting to see the kind of recruits they're bringing in. You know, I whatever I don't know what stars there. I don't really pay attention, but um, I know people like to get excited about it and have a bunch of buzz about who's coming in. I think it's hard to know what a high school kid's going to do when he gets to college, but um, obviously, like you know, we're Notre Dame and we can recruit well and. Uh, definitely a couple of them are probably going to get a chance to, to show what they got early on or maybe later in the season. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about the receiving core. I always am. I, I like to, I like to root for my guys. Yeah. I want to talk about those young guys in a second here, but you, when you talked about Lowe, that was pretty interesting because he really came on at the end of his freshman season, uh, just looked awesome and looked destined to be the number one guy the next season. And then I think last season was a little bit disappointing. Um, he led the team in drops and it just looked like he would kind of get in his own head. Like he'd have a drop early and then it would negatively affect him the rest of the game. Like, have you ever been through something like that where you're kind of just in a slump, but like everyone knows the talent is there. Yeah. I've, I've been through several slumps in my life, whether, you know, people noticed it or not, if it was just in practice or whatever, but, um, it's tough to get out of. I mean, I, I can remember a time during my junior season where kind of similar situation. I had come on towards the end of my sophomore year um, in like the last two games and scored a touchdown in each and like had a really good spring. And then that's when uh, Coach Long came in and we brought a couple transfer receivers in. And I just, you know, I wasn't playing like I was expecting. And uh, I started having bad practices. I started dropping balls. And it's it's hard to get out of a funk once you're in it. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know necessarily. I, I think he's mentally tough and I don't, I don't think he's probably in too big of a uh, mental fog about it. I mean, obviously when you have that success uh, as a freshman and people are, I mean, whether he's reading stuff or not that people are saying, I'm sure he heard through the grapevine what people were expecting of him as a young guy. Like that's, that's tough to live up to. Um, so maybe that got to him a little bit, maybe not. Uh, I think he'll be great and boys have a great season this year as well. Um, but yeah, it definitely can, uh, can weigh on a guy when it's, when it's not going, how you're expecting to, or even how other people are expecting you to go. Yeah. If Notre Dame gets a bounce back here from him, then the receiving core is going to be even better because guys like Thomas and Colsey came on last season, but last year, a lot of fans were clamoring for Tobias Merriweather to get more playing time as a true freshman. And obviously you weren't on the team, so I don't expect you to know why he specifically didn't get on the field, but historically speaking, we haven't seen many freshman wide receivers at Notre Dame get a ton of playing time. So why do you think that is? Or maybe a better way to phrase that is like, what are some of the biggest challenges young wide receivers face at Notre Dame that prevents them from getting on the field earlier? Right. So obviously I can't speak for what's going on on the team right now, but yeah. I can talk about when I was a young guy and, and the guys who were with me when I was young. Like, uh, I mean, think about Miles Boykin, who is still playing in the NFL and was a standout guy for us, but he didn't really have – a standout season until he was a senior or, you know, the bowl game our junior year and then took it into that. So like even, even a guy like that, he didn't play much freshman sophomore year. Um, but uh, the thing I think about is when you're coming in as a freshman, there's guys obviously who have established themselves in one manner or another um, as guys who are going to be on the field and guys who are going to be in the rotation. So that leaves you uh, kind of scrapping for the last spots, at least at first, you know, if you prove yourself, you can ascend the depth chart. But when you're scrapping for those last spots, um, you have to know what everyone is doing because they want to plug you in wherever to get you reps, however they can. You know what I mean? You know, Thomas is tired. Get him 
in the boundary spot or Lorenzo's tired, get him in the slot. You know, you got, you got to know what everyone's doing and coming as a freshman, that's a daunting task because um, you don't know what kind of offenses these guys are coming from in high school. I mean, I came from a triple option high school where I just blocked every play. So like the offense, like had my head spinning, like um, which is why like scouting was perfect for me freshman year. Cause I didn't have to think, I just looked at a card and wanted to play football. Um, but when you're getting these recruits who you're expecting, or they're expecting to to make an impact on the field right away. Like that, that is a daunting test to know the offense in its entirety and know how each route affects another route and know what you're doing in each spot, being able to flip it formations, motions and all that. Um, and to learn it quickly because you have to make an impact quickly as a freshman or else they're kind of going to look in other directions and right to develop you maybe on scout team or maybe as, you know, a, a key backup or something. Were you running a lot of option routes where your route would be determined based on the coverage each play? Yeah, we had some, uh, a lot of times on like third down, fourth down, whatever, we would run those with uh, me and Cole Komet. Like Cole would, I would release behind him and he would kind of try to get a pick for me and I'd go left or right or hook up or whatever. Um, so there were some explicit, like, you choose what you're doing here. There were a couple other here and there, like either run a, curl or a, a double move, something like that. And then there were some others that weren't, I wouldn't quite call them like option routes where I have the absolute freedom to do what I see. Um, right. But there are somewhere like it, it hinges on the coverage. So we would have, you know, a curl route that if it's versus uh, four palms um, versus to a, to a go route and they'll try to hit you in like the whole shot. So that's an option, but it's not really like you're running it and you're deciding. So there's plenty of stuff like that. And that's tough to. Yeah. To that's grab. what I was getting at. Cause like yeah, as a yeah. true freshman, you're trying to learn the playbook and then you're oh. learning it on the fly and you're figuring out what route you're running when you line up. Like that's gotta be really difficult. That's really tough to grasp as a young guy. And again, like I said, coming from high school, you don't know what they know. Like I didn't know coverage very well coming into college and yeah. it's, it's a lot to not only learn what you're doing, but learn what the other team is doing and how that affects what you're going to do. It's, it's a lot to overcome. Right. So you redshirted your freshman year, right? And you started yeah. to see some action as a sophomore, but really took off in 2018. How yeah. challenging were those first couple of years for you when you weren't getting much playing time on Saturdays and were just really scrapping for it? Yeah. I mean, freshman year, I was a walk on and I didn't expect to get playing time on Saturdays. Um, obviously I wanted it, you know, that's the competitive yeah. nature as a football player. Um, Freshman year was tough. I, you know, I had put this like huge chip on my shoulder being a walk on. Like I have to prove myself and playing on scout team and kind of just like I described Salerno earlier. Like I was kind of trying to piss people off and make plays and um, got to get on the field a bit as a sophomore. And uh, that was fun. Like I just, I wouldn't even call that frustrating, even though I wasn't like in the rotation or anything until the end of the year. I was just kind of like, sweet. Like I'm on the field. Like, yeah, exactly. Junior year was really, really frustrating because I, like I said, I felt like I took a step back. I, I right. did well in sophomore year and um, took a step back as a junior. Um, but it is tough. I mean, that that's the nature of playing football in college. You get four years and you're likely going to have coaching changes and you're going to be playing better at times and worse at times. And it's um, kind of a long game, a matter of being consistent long term and I'm able to stay the course. And um, that's changed a little bit with the transfer portal now. I mean, guys can leave with a lot less consequences than when I was there. Um, but I still have, you know, a soft spot in my heart for the guys who stick it out until senior year and, and, uh, and stay at the same school. And I, you know, I love Notre Dame too. So it always kind of, kind of hurts when you see guys leave. And I understand yeah. um, that people do what's best for them. 
but uh, I, I like the guys who stick around. Did you, uh, did you have like a welcome to college football moment during those mm. early years? Gosh, probably I had several. Um, I'll give you the, the second day I was there, we had a, we had a workout that I went way too hot into. Like I was, I was super small and I was chugging protein shakes, trying to gain weight. And I watched track of time before, and I probably had like five, five protein shakes in my belly, which is stupid. Like I know, and uh, and I like I like went way 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 too hard trying to impress people in the workout, and like I got back in the locker room and just like threw it all up. And that was like second day of being there. I was like, I don't know if college football is for me. <laughs> I'm looking around at all the older guys who are like you know high fiving and smiling and talking about what they're doing. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, I'm about to die. Um, five protein shakes is insane. No, yeah, I mean, I, I, approached it, I approached it wrong, and the next workout was fine. So, uh, and then I mean, I had plenty of those moments on scout team. I mean, running a triple option, I was like the wing back when we do scout team mm-hmm. for like Navy and Georgia Tech that year, and um, getting the getting the pitch from Rob Regan as he's getting lit up by like Romeo Aquara, and like as soon as I catch the pitch, like Jalen Smith is knocking me on my ass and doing his, you know, swipe move in front of everybody. And, uh, I mean, that happened, that happened specifically once, but I mean, there's plenty of times on scout team where it's like, dude, this is. Yeah. It was cool seeing him do that, uh, in the crowd, probably not as much fun when you're on the receiving. Well, end of it. it was like, dude, it's in practice. Like I'm a freshman walk on, like, you, <laughs> you're like, celebrate, you're celebrating like it's game day, which I get. I mean, like it's, he, he was the kind of guy who was excited to make a play at any time. So. But I, I'm getting up like, damn, dude. <laughs> You're supposed to do that to me. I remember the first time I saw Jalen on campus. I mean, I immediately recognized who he was because he just looked different. Like, yeah, he looks the part. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a, physically he's menacing. I, when I took my visit, that's my dad was struck by him as well. Um, like, we went and watched the spring workout, and um, I was standing next to my dad, and he, like, pointed out Jalen. He was like, Dude, that's the kind of guy who's gonna be hitting you. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, are you yeah. sure he's, you want to do this? That's what he said. He's like, you okay with that? And I was like, yeah. I love that attitude. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Did you know sure. that you had more punt return yards during the 2018 season with 196 than any Notre Dame player since 2007 when Tom Zbikowski was back there? I didn't know that. All right, no. well, we're learning a lot today. Um, so you were obviously far more aggressive returning punts than a lot of other guys we've seen back there in recent years. And this past season, we saw Notre Dame be ultra aggressive in trying to block punts. So yeah. even with the new special teams coordinator coming in, it's pretty clear how much Marcus Freeman prioritizes special teams play. How important is the head coach's buy-in to the success of the unit as a whole? Yeah, it's really important. And um, again, like you said, he, they emphasize blocking punts. It comes down to what you're emphasizing on special teams. I mean, when I was there, we kind of had a more conservative approach. Like we spent a lot of time in the week talking about punt protection and how we're not going to get a punt block this week. Um, and that left a lot less time for setting up punt returns or punt blocks, um, which we blocked a couple while I was there. And we got to the point with kickoff returns where, you know, the analytics told us that you better just fair catch it because – you're not getting to the 25 either way, which is really frustrating. Um, but yeah, I mean, when the coach has a, a playmaking mindset going into the season, obviously things change as the season goes on. And, you know, they, they do listen to the analytics, which frustrates me at times. I get how valuable it is and other times. But um, when you go into the minds, into the season with a mindset of like we're making plays on special teams, whether it's in the return game, blocking, um, fakes, whatever it is like that is 
if, if it pays off and it pays off early, like you can keep it rolling and, and then teams are on their toes expecting it. And like last year we bought a couple of punts and everybody's afraid and they're keeping everybody in and they're not getting um, guys down and covered as much. And that opens up the return game. Like it, it's really a special teams. You, you can either be passive about it and, and kind of let your offensive defense do the work, or you can really set yourself up for, for game changing plays with this, with special teams. Yeah, it was awesome to watch as a fan. Up until we got to the USC game when they didn't even yeah. punt, Caleb Williams just started kicking it. But uh, speaking of USC, uh, I want to bring up one game as we sort of wrap this up here. So that USC game in 2018, everyone remembers Tony Jones' big touchdown late, uh, but I think a lot of people have forgotten how you basically carried the offense throughout the first half. Uh, it was pretty ugly, but you had that big touchdown right before halftime to cut the deficit to 10-7. And I think you finished with seven receptions, 86 yards, plus the touchdown. With so much on the line in that game, with it being the last regular season game during an undefeated season, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, it was a, a definitely a privilege to kind of have my number called uh, all through that first half. And we had Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin on the outside, and they were the go-to guys all season. And I, I was, uh, you know, happy whenever the ball would come my way and, and whenever uh, I was relied upon. But um, obviously USC put a big um, emphasis on those two guys going into that game, and it was working. Um, but that's kind of the benefit of being the third guy who flies under the radar. Um, you know, they, they didn't put an emphasis on me. Um, so I was able to, you know, work with the play calls, and Ian was able to hit me a bunch. And, um, got the team rolling a little bit and we kept it going into the second half. So, um, yeah, I mean, just the magnitude of that game. Um, and we did start slow, but I don't think any of us ever thought, you know, got real worried about it. Um, but, you know, going to that game knowing we win and, and we're in the playoff was, uh, it was really, really an honor and privilege to be able to be a guy who helped the team win in that game. Did you have an idea going into the game that you'd be the focal point? No, I, I mean, I was kind of expecting it to be like the rest of the games. But um, like I said, that's going back to like the adaptability part. Like they come out and they're they're doing well against Chase and, and Miles and we're not being able to throw the jump out, jump balls out on the out on the edge. And, um, you know, Coach Long was able to adapt and, and get me the ball. And, um, you know, Dexter had a good game, too. And Tony had a good game. Um, so, no, I, I didn't know. But, uh, you know, you run, you run every, every route and every play, like you're getting the ball. So um, nothing really changes when it is your turn, but it's, yeah. it's just more fun. Yeah, definitely. Was that the most fun game from your playing career? Definitely one of them. Um, or do Michigan, Michigan. Oh yeah, obviously. Michigan 2018 was, was definitely really fun as well. Duke was fun. I mean, personally, like, you know, I had two touchdowns that game, but um when the when the game like is bigger for the team, like it, yeah, even if you aren't, uh, your stat line isn't the same. At least this my mindset. My stat line wasn't as as great in the Michigan game or the USC game, but like those were more fun because you know those were huge games and and we got the win and um, you know everybody came together and, and got the job done. Well, and you had one of the coolest touchdowns <laughs> the entire season in that Michigan. Oh, thanks, dude. Thanks. Dude. <laughs> All right, man. This has been so much fun. I, I really appreciate the time and hope we can do this again soon. So thanks yeah, dude. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to be on uh, any other time.
That's a wrap for this episode of Locked On Irish. Thanks again to Chris Fink for coming on, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Whether you're watching or listening, please remember to subscribe to the show and follow us on Twitter, at Locked On Irish, on Instagram, at Locked On Irish Pod, or my personal Twitter account, at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. For your second listen of the day, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, all on Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.